Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. And we are still knee-deep in tech. Yes, and, and Alexander still haven't figured out how to use a touchscreen, apparently. Touchscreens are... Well, when I started out in IT, we didn't have any touchscreens. You, on the other hand, you were pretty much born with it, so... Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, this is episode 14. <laughs> as opposed to 13.5. Yes, <laughs> This is episode 14, speaking of my birth. Yeah. Why not? That's unfair. I know. I'm not that old. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah. You're not young, that young either. <laughs> no. Oh, dear. I don't feel young today. No, actually... We Should we talk about trains today as well? <laughs> Why not? I mean, we had a great discussion last week about trains, so let's, let's speak more about trains. I'll, I'll keep it short. I found myself on the wrong train yesterday as in he stepped on the wrong train he didn't find himself he stepped on the wrong train do go on yeah and i soon realized that the train i was on yes it's headed in the right direction yes it would pass my station keyword here being pass pass and it stopped one and a half hour later Mm. in the middle of the forest in smoland yeah at which point I realized that my train back home was one hour late. Ah. So instead of getting home at seven o'clock, eating my lasagna with my wife and child, I ended up in Alvesta, eating two hot dogs, going back and ending up home at half past eleven. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why I don't travel by train anymore. On the other hand, I know how to read. <laughs> and listen, apparently. Uh, sometimes, not necessarily always. I- I'm just happy that I didn't yell too much at the poor guy that actually had a ticket. And was sitting in <laughs> your seat. Yeah. So let's move on from trains. And for you who, like Alexander now, hates trains, I'm sorry that we have to talk about trains in each and every single episode. Well, it's it's good to have some baseline. <laughs> Yeah. Perhaps we should change the name of this Need-deep podcast. Trains. Need if trains. There we go. There we have the name for this episode. Tech trains. Tech. Derailed tech. Okay. Never mind. Move right. on. Yes. Um, okay. I um, I actually spent the, a couple of hours last night uh, talking to a, um, a user group. Yep. The Swedish .NET user group had a meeting here in Linköping. And they had invited me to uh, speak. And it started out at Tech Days last year when I met a guy during breakfast. We were sitting at the same table. We'd never seen each other before. They said something that I heard and I commented on and we started talking pretty much. It turns out that that was the, um, the guy that runs the Swedish .NET user group. And he said pretty much then and there, oh, you're a speaker at Tech Days. Can't you come speak uh, at one of our meetings? And I said, sure, I can do that. And there was a lot of to and fro. And and finally, we found a date. And yesterday, it was time. And let's put it this way. It was 27 degrees outside yesterday. (laughs) It was the best day of the year. So far. So far. Hopefully. Yeah. And... There were supposed to be 25-ish people on site. It was 
10 or 11 or 12, I can't remember quite. And most people probably stayed outside drinking beer instead of listening to me, which I might add was a very good choice. Yeah, that, that's what Swedes do. Yes. Good choices. Mm. Said no one ever. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, it was a very interesting discussion since uh, I've spoken to, to Pierre, the, uh, the chairman for this. Chairman, do you call it chairman? Anyhow, the, yeah, the guy yeah, that yeah, runs yeah. The, the user group. Yeah. Um, and he said, can't you talk about the where, where development ends and, and databases, DBA work start? So my, um, my premise was pretty much uh, ways SQL Server can hurt you uh, by default if you don't know how to set things up. Yep. And it occurred to me that things that are so basic to a DBA mm-hmm. is something that most developers have never heard of. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I think most people haven't heard of it. IT process well. Fair enough, but in this case, this is... I mean, the developers, they are using the database. Yeah. And what I'm going to come to is, they said things about development that I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. And the moral of the story is DBAs have a lot of work to train their developers and developers have a lot of work to do to train their DBAs. If we start working together in way more than than we usually do. Perfect harmony. Perfect. You're just sprouting interesting things today. (laughs) No, to to be honest, just work together. It, It increases performance results everybody's happy everything just works yeah it was a very interesting thing to to realize that what i find being very basic is still perhaps something unheard of and that means that i can always talk about the basics and there always going to be someone that needs to hear the basics what was the most the, the point that they found most interesting was there anything in particular Quite a few things. First, the the tendency of SQL Server to eat memory. Yeah. And they hadn't realized just how bad it is. <laughs> and I mean, think of Pac-Man. Nom, yeah. nom, 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 nom. And another thing is set-based operations as opposed to row by row. People think row by row. That's the way our brains work. But databases and SQL Server in, in general, and, and SQL is a declarative language, meaning... You ask the language, you, you just say, give me this, and not necessarily give me this this way. Mm. Yep. And that's the difference. If you ask SQL to do something in a very specific way, it's going to do that. Yep. And that's probably going to kill your performance. Yep. If you say, I want this, the SQL Server is going to give it to you yep. in a way more efficient manner. Yep. So that was two of the, the most, oh dear, reactions that I got. That's great. It was. So, and, and what you said that you learned stuff from them as well. Oh, yeah. How they view databases. And we had an interesting discussion about key value pair databases, as in NoSQL databases. Yep. And I'd be the first to, to say that I really don't know anything about NoSQL databases. But it's interesting to see and hear how these developers were thinking and how they realized that we don't want to use SQL Server for this. 
But SQL Server is what we usually work with on .NET. So yeah. how can we do this? And how can we have some data in a relational database? And how can we have some data in, in a NoSQL database? So that was an interesting discussion that I need to dig deeper into. I need to know more how they think. And of course, we have the whole framework thing. There's something called Entity Framework. Yep. And Entity Framework has a funny way of giving you exactly what you ask for. Yeah. Meaning, come back to the set-based or as opposed to the, the um, row-by agonizing row-way. You, you have a way of, of getting what you're asking for exactly the way you're asking for it. So Entity Framework can produce amazingly crappy code. <laughs> and, and I'm talking over the top, seriously, super crappy code most often because you ask for it. Yep. And I need to get into Entity Framework way more than I already know in order to both tune the result and primarily to explain to the developers when is Entity Framework likely to produce subpar code? What kind of patterns are you, do, do you need to keep track of? So that's something that I'm going to do for the future. Yep. Great. Mm. And you were talking about VMware, which is very unexpected for Simon Binder. Yes. And and to be fair, like in my in my current role, mm. even though I'm still a Microsoft fanboy, mm -hmm. I get to learn a lot from other vendors as well because that's a part of my role. I I will cover everything in client management now. Yep. So this Tuesday, I attended VMware Solution Summit in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful day. Talking about transportation, I got a cab from the central station going to Münchenbrigeriet. That's basically across the border in Stockholm. Yeah. The guy hands me his iPhone and asks me to enter the address to Münchenbrigeriet that he literally can see from where we're standing. A taxi driver. <laughs> so I had to enter the the address in his iPhone so he could navigate using that. That's when I would have said, okay, I'll find another cab. Have a good day. Kind of. Anyways, I got there. And the first thing, and the thing I want to address first of all is that VMware and Microsoft's sale pitch mostly for client management but also in great extension for the data center and cloud side mm -hmm. are exactly the same. Okay. Some parts of what they said were basically word by word the exact same pitch as Microsoft has. Really? Which is truly interesting in a way, because that means that the whole world of IT actually are driving the same value, the same, they all have the same goal. Which it's, is? Which is crowd everything. World domination. World domination, right? kind of. Mm. So that means that we as consultants, especially, but also, of course, for you on the other side of this microphone that are customers to either us or 
VMware or anyone else yeah. needs to, we, we can stop listening to where we're going and actually look at the value each and every vendor can offer because they are basically driving us to the same end goal. It's how you want to reach that. So what you're saying is that since everyone's doing pretty much the same thing, you yeah. can basically choose what flavor you prefer. Yeah, and look at other things other than the end goal. Yes, we are going to the cloud. In what way do you want to go to the cloud? To what cloud and by whom? Interesting. So so what, what you're basically saying as well is that you don't need to think about if you're going to the cloud. You are going to the cloud. Yeah. You won't have a choice. It's a matter of what cloud. Which leads me to, and and like I said, it it's good to hear that they want the same thing, mm-hmm. because it means that we we can stop telling people that Microsoft sucks or VMware sucks or whatever. They want the same thing. Look at what they are offering on the road ahead. It's basically yeah, you, you're going you're going abroad. You're going on holiday. Mm. You want to reach a specific point in the world. Yeah. You can choose to go by any airline you want. By train? <laughs> or by train if that's your preferred no, uh, transportation. Okay. Yeah. It's just a matter of who has the most comfortable seats. Who offers the best in-air services. Yeah. You will still reach the goal. Yeah. It's a matter of how much you're ready to pay how quick you want to go there and what service you want on the way and what you can get like outside the airplane as well yeah if you go by this plane you will reach your goal and i'll also give you a bag of crisps interesting so i need to ask you yeah who's the equivalent of ryanair <laughs> It has to be like Novell. Oh, that hurt. Yeah, kind of. I like it. Moving on from that, because that, that's an interesting point that will actually uh, connect to what you said earlier. During the keynote, mm-hmm. they talked about legacy uh, applications. And they, first of all, they had like a, a PowerPoint slide where they have native cloud apps, where they had VMware and stuff. Right. And they have legacy apps which consisted of Microsoft, Oracle, SAP, and Lotus Notes. Oh. That's like an uppercut coming from nowhere. I didn't see that coming. Okay. No, that, that's quite horrible. Anyways, that led on to, they asked who in here still runs Lotus Notes? Quite a few hands. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And, and it's mostly banks, apparently. Yeah. So it was like 15 people that raised their hands they laughed quite a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. But then the interesting thing happened. He asked, who in here runs Universal Windows apps? Okay. I was the only freaking guy who raised my hand. And, I got, and people actually came, came after the keynote and made their condolences. Yeah, I, I was about to say that if this had been a European conference, you'd still be the only guy that yeah, raised of. your hand. Yeah, so that, that's a shame that more people actually run Lotus Notes than Universal Windows apps. And it's not true, but... Sure it is. Okay. 
Then another, and this is um, the thing I want to talk about a bit more. When we go to a Microsoft conference, mm-hmm. regardless of it being client management or whatever, right? And you ask who here knows about containers or Docker? Yep. Every single guy or girl, reach your hands. Anyone who works with Microsoft technology knows about containers. Yeah. We were three hundred people plus at VMware. Mm-hmm. They asked the same question: Who knows anything about containers? Yeah. Twenty people. Really? The VMware swear does doesn't. Oh, VMware swear. That's funny. VMware swear. Yeah. Oh dear. VSphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so no one knew what containers were mm-hmm. at the VMware conference. Right. And it makes it makes sense in a way because. It, in a in a way, it will abstract the layer that has been VMware's core business for ages. Uh, but later on in the day, they had a brilliant speaker. I'm, I'm trying to find his name, um, who talked about containers, DevOps, microservices from a VMware point of view. Mm-hmm. He was a great speaker, by far the best at today a, a very good speaker by any means okay and he explained containers and so on in a very logical and easy to understand way mm-hmm. it, it was a great session it, I can't I, I hope someone recorded it right uh, because it was it actually was really really good and I, I, I know what a container is I know how to use it I know why you should use one yeah I know a bit about Microsoft's offerings, but things VMware are offering are actually amazingly good, mm. regardless of you running it uh, on-prem or in someone else's cloud. And speaking of that, in Sweden, as some of you may know, we have some laws that prevents some organizations from running things outside of Sweden. And many other organizations won't put anything outside of the EU. Right. Do you know that Amazon actually are building data centers in Sweden now? Yes. In Stockholm and Katrineholm? Yes. Yeah. That will mean that we will have Swedish Amazon data centers. Yes. And that's going to be a game changer. Yes, because that will be hard to compete with from a Microsoft side of you and from our side of you, because we are actually a cloud provider. As in Atia, yeah. As in Atia, yeah. 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 Um, so that's, that will be a game changer. So we got VMware on uh, Amazon. They announced a few weeks ago, I guess, um, close partnership with IBM for IBM Cloud. Mm. And the interesting thing they spoke about there is that in the IBM Cloud, you actually can buy hardware. You, really? Yeah, you, you can get that server in that data center is yours to do whatever you want to with. So it's more of co-location. Yeah, you you can do that. Okay. But it also means that IBM and VMware will work together with Intel to provide you with Intel trusted execution technology on a hardware level. So you will actually be able to tell IBM Cloud, put my VMs on those two CPUs and oh. encrypt it. Okay. And only fail over to those other two CPUs in another data center. If you try to run the VM on any other CPUs, it will be encrypted. 
Cool. And that will bring you total control of your data at any point in time because you know what physical CPU it's running on in what data center. Interesting. Yeah. So you can get that. And on the day of uh, VMware Solution Summit, they also announced that you can run VMware Horizon on Azure. So you can actually run VMware Horizon, which is um, the equivalent of Citrix and Desktop and Zenup on Amazon, IBM, and Azure. Cool. Things are changing. Yeah. So that's, that's great. Um, and we also talked about Workspace ONE and AirWatch, mm. which is, they are getting really good at that. They will have a great value proposition for managing Windows 10 with AirWatch. Uh, I won't go into detail on that, but it's, it's so interesting. Do you think they're ready to um, sidestep EMS? They are ready to compete with Config Manager. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, they are ready competing with EMS or Intune to be more exact. Intune, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they are competing with Config Manager now as well. And the last thing I want to raise is that when VMware talk about Horizon, virtualization of the Windows applications, mm -hmm. they very clearly put it, they visualize it as a bridge. We're moving from one side of a stream where we have installed Windows applications. Yeah over a bridge, and on the other side will have cloud-native apps and so on. Right. Horizon isn't on the other side. Horizon is the bridge. Horizon is the bridge. It's one step on the way. Mm. And that's something I... It's important to understand that. We will virtualize apps now, but we won't have that need moving forward. And that's where I believe Citrix will struggle later on. Because VMware have a value proposition on the like the side of a bridge where we are, the bridge and the other side, right. stream. Right. And Citrix haven't got that at the moment. They have like SendMobile and ShareFile and so on, but they really don't have the same proposition as VMware does at that specific point. Not speaking about what's best, Send Desktop or Horizon, but in general. Yeah. Interesting observation. Yeah. So it was a very, very good event. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, so, and it gave me perspective on things. Perspective is good. Yeah. And reaching back to my uh, thing about uh, speaking of, of um, basics. Yep. And since nobody pretty much knew anything about Docker. Yeah. That's also drives home the point of. Maybe something is basic for some guy. Yeah. It might not necessarily be basic or even any knowledge for someone else. Yep. And speaking of knowledge, knowledge. I've um, I just sent in two abstracts to the biggest secret server conference in the world. Mm -hmm. That would be the PASS Summit 2017 in Seattle. Yep. And this is pretty... This is pretty scary, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, this is the biggest conference. Way more people send in abstracts than actually get to speak. Yep. And getting to speak at Pass Summit is one of the, the highest honors that you can receive, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, in, in the SQL world, it has to be. In, in the SQL world. Yeah, th this is pretty much the uh, Ignite status yep. from a database perspective. 
Um, I was thinking, how do you how do you get to start do that? And the funny thing is that in order to send in an abstract, you need to have uh, you need to pr provide proof of having spoken at, to at least three conferences or equivalent. Yep. And how do you start out? How do you begin speaking? And what I did yesterday is a great example. Yep. Find a user group. User groups are always looking for someone to uh, to come and listen to. Yep. Start there. Send to smaller conferences and work your way up. In my case, I've been doing this for quite some time. I've spoken at a couple of conferences, but to be honest, nothing big. So actually getting chosen to speak at Summit is, in my view, highly unlikely. But as I said on the, um, the abstracts, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yep. And if you don't try, you can fail. Yeah, and it, it is, it, it's, it's like applying for a job. You it have is. to send your CV to a lot of opportunities. Yep. And it's the same for speaking opportunities. Yep. And you have, you need to start small. You won't be chosen as a keynote speaker at a large conference from the start. No. Start small, and I think that's. I I know that we there are like MVPs or the equivalent that didn't have any, that kind of speaker experience, and they they have done other things for the community. Mm -hmm. But at at some point, you also have to be a good speaker. You you can get a head start by being known in in the IT world. Yeah. But at some point, people will start looking at how good you actually are. I disagree. Okay. I find, uh, and this is, to be honest, since, since both of us have spent quite some time uh, training in presentation technique, yeah. we, I think we know s slightly more than the usual uh, speaker. Yeah. And it definitely means that we see things that other people might not. Yeah. Since this is pretty much what we do. And I'm appalled, seriously appalled, at some of the speakers at, say, for instance, the summit. Yep. They are brilliant at the tech. Yep. But to be fair, they suck at presenting. Yep. And that would actually be interesting to look at from a scientific point of view. Mm -hmm. Because I, I bet you that many of those that are terrible speakers actually get pretty good reviews from their speaking assignments. Yes. And it would be interesting to know why. Because wh why do we train in public speaking if people that aren't trained or even good at it by nature, aren't good at it by mm -hmm. nature, mm -hmm. get good speaking reviews? Yep. So what... what what's... What, what do people actually exactly want from a public speaker in tech? In tech. Because that's... And we have talked about that with David at some points as well. Yep. That speaking at technical conferences or on technical subjects, that's hard. It is hard. Yeah, because in some ways it doesn't matter how good you are at speaking. 
And in some ways, it doesn't matter how good you are at the tech, as long no. as you're a good speaker. Yeah, it, it needs to be the, the whole package. It yeah. needs to work. And for some reason, as we just said, some speakers manage to get the the end result yeah. to fly, yeah. despite being uh, poor speakers. Yeah. And that's yeah, it's it's very interesting. I'd I'd really like to do some research at a big conference. And I mean, it's it's the same with Ignite. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah we, we saw the, yeah. some hideously. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, at some points. And some superb speakers. Yeah. So they are they are both. So, so it, it's hard some days not to get bitter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the feeling of I know I'm a good speaker, but I still get rejected. Yeah. So. Well, that's the, that's the way it is, yep. uh, and and of course it's important to get known. If you start to get traction, people start noticing, and you start getting good reviews. Yeah. Then you're a safer bet. Of course. Than someone who just pretty much stepped in from the street. Yep. Some Swedish Yahoo. Yeah. <laughs> good. I I think we'll leave Surface Hub for now. Uh, I thought about speaking about the creators update for it. Mm. It's actually being released next Wednesday, but we already have it running on two Surface Hubs. Working good? Very good. Cool. And and I just want to raise uh, the app Air Server for Surface Hub because it actually gives you AirPlay capabilities natively on the Surface Hub. So you don't need an Apple TV. Nope. You will be able to AirPlay nine devices simultaneously yep. to the Surface Hub. Air, Air, was Air Server. Air Server for Surface Hub. And yeah. you, you have apps for other platforms as yeah, well. Yeah, I've, I've used Air Server when I, back when I had Macs yep. and, and my wife had PCs. Uh, it worked out very nice. Yeah, and so it, it's, it's been great away, on the Surface Hub. It's been around for a while. Yep, and, and they actually have made it very good. You have lots of new features that are good, especially for education, but also gives a high added value to you out there that actually have Surface Hubs today. Cool. So it will start to roll out on May 24th and will be rolled out in waves as any other Windows update. They hope that they have reached everyone before the end of June. Cool. Yeah. Well, there we go. It's time to end the show. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't think we have anything booked. For, I will be off work for parts of next week. Yeah, we're... We're, we're going to come back. Yep, we will. And uh, until then, have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. See you. Bye. Bye.